Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPN's daily podcast, Climate Conscious, where we continue to discuss how we might go about saving our deteriorating planet from its inevitable demise. Today, we are exploring environmental art and how it's performed to foster a true appreciation for the earth we live in. I'm excited to have such esteemed guests on the show today, and I hope they are excited, as excited as I am to discover and answer the question, how do humans perform their relationship to their environment? Can't wait to hear their takes. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our first guest, author Carolyn Finney. Carolyn, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you. Now, even though your work at the university is very much interdisciplinary, your book, Black Faces, White Spaces, is mainly concerned with the complex relationship between African Americans and the natural world. Is that correct? Yes. A, a bit reduced, but correct. Uh, can you speak a little bit to what a race distinction has to do with general human relationship to nature? Of course, but I think this question may be better answered by a story you may have already heard in my book. During a speech at the University of Vermont, I told the story of John Francis, an African-American man so delighted to the cause of environmental awareness, he decided to walk for 22 years across the U.S. without uttering a peep for 17 of the years. This surprises most audiences I speak for, but on this particular day, a unique learning opportunity presented itself. I ended this story by sharing how Hollywood was preparing to make a movie about his life. Won't it be amazing, even revolutionary, to see a mainstream movie about a black man walking across America to, re to raise environmental awareness? As I continued talking amid laughs and nods of agreements, a young white woman timidly raised her hand. Yes, I smiled. Well, uh, I'm not sure how to say this, but I have to tell you that as you were telling the story about John Francis, I just assumed he was white. Interesting. So what you're describing is a story of the popular misconception of who actually inhabits and cares about our natural world. Exactly. And not the misconception itself, but its widespread effect on the American public. How we conceive of the environment, who inhabits it, and who cares for it, contributes to it, and who reaps the benefit of it. <laughs> Obviously, these are heavy topics to explore and understand. What medium do you think is most affected to communicate the effects of this inequity? I've said this in other interviews, and I'll say it again. Knowledge is subjective. Storytelling is what people remember. Interesting. So in your mind, we have to use personal situations and stories with some non-fictional truth in order to co articulate complex and universal phenomena. Exactly. Brilliant. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for sharing. We love having you on the show today and hope to have you back soon. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest, no, though not quite as lively as Carolyn Finney, has plenty to say on the human relationship with nature. Please welcome William Shakespeare. How art thou? Uh, I'm wonderful, thank you for asking. Now, I understand you have written several plays discussing environmental issues, but I think one of your most influential, and the one I would like to discuss on the show, is The Tempest, specifically your monologue for Caliban in Act 3. Um, in this scene, Caliban rebukes pa Prospero for his harsh treatment, claiming, This island's mine by Sycorax, my mother. What meaning did you intend to invoke in this line? You know, well, it's really quite simple. I just wanted to illuminate that our environment was intended to be shared. As a human race, collectively, we have continued to plunder with no regard for the environment around us. What we see, what we claim for ourselves without considering who endowed it or how to distribute it. Not only do we hoard it for only humans, we restrict it from each other as well. Gluttonously reserving our portion with no regard for our neighbor's share. Very interesting. Now, later in the monologue, Caliban tries to punish Prospero to no avail by saying, Cursed be that I did so, all the charms, beetles, bats light on you. What significance does nature's curse have in the relationship between humans and their environment? And why does this message have to come from Caliban? So, what I intended here, and what humans just can't seem to learn, is that our environmental interactions have permanent consequences regardless of whether they occur immediately or are cumulative. 
Caliban, representing the natural world, may not be able to castigate Prospero in this scene, but Prospero's maltreatment towards Caliban will return to hurt him later in the production, when Caliban hatches a plot to kill Prospero. Caliban's character provides the perfect medium illustrate this, to illustrate this theme because as a half-monster, half-man, he can relate with the audience he is performing for, but also actually speak for the unspoken. The natural world. Very poetic. And interestingly enough, this aligns well with a former guest of the show, Rob Nixon, um, discussing the effects of slow violence, just as you have uh, through your work in this scene. Well, William, it's great to have you and your insight today. Thank you. Now for our third and final guest today, I'd like to welcome Sarah Cameron Sundee, producer of 36.5, a durational performance with the sea. Sarah, can you describe for the audience what exactly your project is? Uh, certainly. My work is known as performance art and includes a time-lapse video and a real-time tape of my work. The content itself revolves around humans' complex relationship with water. Essentially, I travel to a location threatened by sea level rise to stand in a tidal area for the full tidal cycle, usually 12 to 13 hours. Water engulfs my body and then recedes again. The tide tracks time in my body viscerally and functions as a media for the changing environment. The water is my collaborator and the risks are real. I stay present in the sensations, attempt to embody the ocean, and find a way to endure the struggle. Fascinating. Uh, can you explain what the purpose of your work is and what you really want to, uh, your audience to derive from it? I make live performance works and video works that play with scale and duration in order to investigate our human place in the environment. So simply by manipulating the extent and location of your performance without even including dialogue or action, you have to communicate humans' role in nature? Precisely. Truly beautiful. I'm certainly excited to see the finished product of your performances, and I wish you all the best in your future products. Our question at the beginning of the podcast was concerned with how humans perform their relationship to their environment. I think all three of these authors have helped answer this question by demonstrating effective manners of performance. From Carolyn Finney, we discovered that humans learn well from anecdotal, word-of-mouth stories that provide an informal performance platform that can effectively communicate even an extremely complex issue like environmental racism. From Shakespeare, we learned eccentric fictional characters like Caliban can communicate our relationship to nature by actually embodying nature and speaking to us directly, cutting out the middleman of interpretation. Finally, from Sarah Sundee, we learned that some performances require no words to transmit meaning. Simply by standing in a particular position, Sundee was able to effectively reveal to her audience the complex role humans have in their water cycle and the responsibility they have to manage their effect on it. Collectively, these creators show that humans can disseminate their environmental message in many manners of performance, but only with passion and commitment to the issue will that message be received. For RPN's Climate Conscious, I'm Nick Banakevich, signing off.